Hello from Cybrary and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of 401 Access Denied. I'm your host for the episode, Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist and Advisory CISO here at the Cutter Centrify. And it's a pleasure to be here with you on this very exciting episode that I have a very special guest um, who is going to really deep dive and take us through the past trends of malware and where future trends will be going. So Shyam, it's uh, fantastic to have you here. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. Do you want to give us a, uh, the audience a little bit of int- introduction about who you are and what you do? Hey, thanks, Joseph, for having me on the show. I've been following the show for a while. It's indeed an honor to be part of the show. Mm-hmm. And thanks for doing it. It's We all listen to it and, and we all learn from this. So thank you for doing it, first of all. Uh, who am I? I'm obviously not the Bruce Wayne, but I'm actually the Batman. That's what I call myself. So <laughs> I love fighting crimes in Gotham, which is what I call the internet, the Gotham. So I I love fighting cyber crimes, add a tinge of Batman to everything so that it's fun to do. And also do, I work with Cisco as a senior research scientist and, and uh, uh, predominantly dealing with malware attachments and, and, and threats that deals with emails that are malwares. So that's what I do for a living. And I've done two TED Talks. I've also authored a book, which is out in the market. You can go to the Amazon and check it. It's called It's Your Digital Life. And that's me. So that's me. It's about Fantastic. Me. I mean, I, we met probably one, five or six years. I can't remember. It was quite a few years ago. We met at uh, a conference, uh, which we have actually come upcoming, which is the Qubit Conference, which is one of my favorite yeah. uh, conferences to go to. Um, and that's where you met. And I definitely, uh, you know, I always recall every time I see some Batman memorabilia, <laughs> it always reminds me of you. Um, so, because when, when you did your talk and you always bring Batman into it um, and fighting crime, it actually just it, it makes it entertaining. It makes it very interesting and appealing. So, yeah. um, definitely, it's it's something you know makes uh, makes me think every time I see Batman. Now, uh, you're the first person that comes to mind. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the you, TED yeah. Talks, uh, I mean, definitely, we, we, we had discussions years ago on TED Talks. Um, what was the top, What was the TED Talks you did on? What was the topics? Uh, just curious. So I did two TED Talks. So mm-hmm. like uh, the one was uh, about the digital life and how you have mm-hmm. to safeguard yourself on that. But mm-hmm. the second was more interesting because that gave a lot of shade and scope for cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually titled uh, "Can a Couch Potato Save the Digital World?" So that that was my that was my topic. So it spoke a lot about mm-hmm. malware trends and, mm-hmm. and how threat actors are operating, uh, and and it was also spoke about the part where um, where the malware industry is going towards. Like you have SaaS mm-hmm. as a service, and like PaaS and SaaS and IaaS, and then you have Mass, right? Malware as a service. Yeah. That's that's becoming more of an you know upstream and uptick off late in the last three years. Absolutely. So, so that was, yeah, I spoke a lot about that and some of some examples of Excel hiding, hiding Excel mm-hmm. sheets, how macros operate. But with thanks for bringing that point right here because when I probably rewind myself mm-hmm. two years or a year and a half to the tech talk, 
Mm-hmm. We were talking about macros, but in the last, uh, you know, four or five months, I've seen a lot of files that don't have macros but still are executing. So that's pretty, you know, you would probably want to compare the before talk and the after part of it. So mm-hmm. well, I was seeing that, dude, that's, that's a nice, you know, trend or where the actors have improvised. So, yeah. Absolutely. And it's not just, I mean, you're absolutely right. One of the things in the past couple of years where I've seen malware is, you know, is that they used to be very uh, multifunctional. You know, they, they, they contain multiple components. Um, they had downloaders, they had, you know, they would scrape credentials, they had exfiltration. Now you're starting to see them much more targeted and specific, and then also sure. kind of being embedded around multiple types of payloads. So attackers are using different components in order to do those specific tasks. And absolutely, one thing, you know, we've seen it more on the ransomware side, but absolutely even the malware, that it's becoming a service. You've got people out there that rather than actually, uh, you know, used to have the ones who would create it would also be the same people who deployed it. Um, now you've exactly. got affiliate services where those who are creating the malware uh, are actually selling it basically as a service, uh, either as basically a subscription model or for royalties yep. if they're successful at uh, getting it. So that means that we're starting to see very specializing, specialization, where somebody who their malware specializes in just focusing on stealing credentials. One focuses on financial um, looking for credit card information, looking for personal data. Um, what, what's your thoughts around you know, the challenge that we have in <clears throat> specialization, uh, specifically in malware? So and the, and the, what you see is 100% true, right? There were malwares in the past that were just used to steal credentials from the browsers, like mm-hmm. TrickBot and, and you know, Ursniff. And if you see those threat actors, they used to focus only on banking Trojans, right? Now you used to have some sort of a, every, everything we fit into the MITRE template today, right? So, mm-hmm. but if you see, if you see the flow of you get, you get an email that's a mall spam that drops a doc, and then that's going to do a bunch of XYZ things in your computer. And if you see the end goal, it's probably going to be, hey, you know what? This is going to be a Trojan that's mm-hmm. going to just scout for passwords or screen captures or webcam stuff, blackmailing. But if you see in the last one and a half years, it's become polymorphic. Mm-hmm. So what I've observed about malware is it's absolutely polymorphic, right? Now, if you see the C2, um, what I would uh, you know b- bring bring to the table here mm-hmm. today, right? If you see this uh, C2C behavior from a reverse engineer, uh, it gives you just a fifty to seventy percent of 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 a perception, right? Because your goal probably is to just reverse the sample, see the IOCs, the behaviors, and then push mm-hmm. it. But I'm coming from a background of domain forensics, more mm-hmm. of the DNS side of security. That's where you see these URLs and tons and tons of URLs. I would, I would like like four or five years back, I used to see at least thousand domains a day. Like, <laughs> like I, I kind of came to a point when I see the URL, I kind of say, dude, this is what it's doing. So you mm-hmm. get into the zone, right? That's the hallmark of the C2C communication. What do you say is right? The infrastructure is being leased out is the right word to probably use here. It's being rented out. You know, these co-hosting spaces like racks that they rent out for IaaS and cloud, right? Malware's become like that. The infrastructure, the code is being rented in the dark web. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's been really simple off late where I've heard from people when I go to the conferences. Uh, I think we met again in Black Hat a couple of years Absolutely. back. If yeah. you remember, yeah. So I heard someone saying that uh, the panel, right? You have this panelized uh, tracking of campaigns. It's so modernized. All you probably have to pay money and just tell which computer, which region to affect. 
and mm-hmm. boom, there you go. You can just drop the player out of your choice. So mm-hmm. that's where it's evolved. So, so the answer to the question, even though it's detailed, it's polymorphic. So it's become absolutely polymorphic. And you can't say that APT33 or like, uh, you know, um, some, some this detractor who is just targeting Azerbaijan for, for passports and diplomat data is only doing that. They can do based on the system, the geographical location, the season, the campaigns. They can drop a malware. They can drop a trick bot. Uh, ransomware is probably being followed by TrickBot off late. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the way that, that this trend's going now. Absolutely. And an additional thing is, you know, doing a lot of incident response <laughs> in, in forensics, what I've seen as well is that, um, of course, a lot of the attacks, they, they, you still have the, the split between those which are opportunistic. They just, you know, blast and hope for the best. You know, that, you know they'll, they'll blast on emails, they'll blast on social media, whether it being, you know, SMS messages, just hoping people's going to click and they don't have protection and they'll run. But I've seen a lot of the attacks mm-hmm. also um, organized crime types of attacks where they're getting more people hands on keyboard. They're logging in, they're stealing credentials, and they're getting in. And what they're first of all doing is they're actually enumerating the environment to see what technology is running. And they might even do that in a passive <laughs> sense. They'll first of all do that by looking at what they see online, what's publicly available. And then they might get more into the active side where they're looking at the machines directly. And on, then they will decide what malware to use because they'll decide which one will have the best at being able to stay hidden, which one will be able to exfiltrate, which one will be able to stay undetected for longer periods of time. Even a lot of ransomware cases, what I find was um, in doing the investigation um, that I would see that you know they deployed a specific variant of ransomware. But when I looked in the scripts, I saw that they had you know, 10, 20 different variations of ones that they, they could decide to use. They just chose the one that basically would not be detected by the types of security controls that were put in place. So any thoughts around kind of where, you know, I mean, that's definitely more of a kind of a marketplace type of malware where they'll choose the one um, that will have the best success. So uh, what we see, what you say is 100% true, right? What I'm actually being, you know, being observing in the past is uh, the number of layered uh, level of coding and mm-hmm. layered level of functionalities in malware is specifically increased in the last two years. Now, the amount of reconnaissance they do post they get in, it's really, really, you know, um, the persistence mechanisms have really upped the game to a level where, as you mentioned, right, they stay dormant for a lot of time and like more of the APT and they have so many layers in it, right? They look at the architecture and if you see, they, they scan the list of softwares that are running on your computer mm-hmm. first and I they have, and if you see the C2 traffic that goes back as the the, the, you know, the bytecode format that goes back to the attacker, they have like, it's become like a telephone directory off late with so many <laughs> options, right? So like you, you turn on and on and on, there are like so many pages going on. So the layer, the layerization or the multiple layers of, of these deployments have tremendously increased. Mm-hmm. So, so they're not in the mode anymore. See, threat actors have, I always say this, right? You and I have the same information and so do they. Mm-hmm. So they have the same resource of the internet that we all look into. And now they've become multifold and layer specific. So they have so many functionalities going in. Earlier, malware used to work in a way that it used to run, used to check for some sort of a system configuration. If it's not probably working, you know, it cancels the C2 and said, dude, I'm not mm-hmm. infecting it. 
Yeah. Now you know it, it, it. It's become like the Independence Day mothership, and it, it there's so many smaller <laughs> ships coming in based on the C2 communication, and mm-hmm. and it's probably extremely becoming hard. And if you would want me to share something interesting, I'll probably share about this multi-layered malware concept yeah. here. So like 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 eight months back or nine months back, we built a honeypot. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like the cheesy honeypot everybody makes. Everybody, we, we yeah, we, we have, sort of, <laughs> we're all running yeah, honeypot, yeah, right? hoping, hoping yeah. that it captures everything. Exactly. So we made something like really, really stupid, but like with the HR page on that saying, do you log in? It was the most uh, welcome home kind of a captions of, of passwords and that login. But you know what actually happened? We, we were part of a big botnet, which was like a WordPress hack. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having one of the coverture malware's uh, sample getting dropped in there. Okay. So why I'm bringing why I'm bringing this part in here is because the level of layering that went into reversing that sample was massive, mm-hmm. and and I think it was packed with a bunch of features. If only the person who developed it was a developer, their product would have made millions in the company. So they had so many features in <laughs> in that right. So so. Uh, what what we found was like it was heavily persistent, mm-hmm. where uh, the code was inside the ntuser.dat file. So you need it when it infects your system, you probably need to get the ntuser.dat file to do some sort of registry forensics into the hives mm-hmm. to find out what actually was the script or the callout that was actually happening. So then it had multi layers of PowerShells, JavaScript, you know, callouts, shell codes. And, and then, dude, it was like opening a gift packet and then you had to use a lot of tools like speakeasy, strings, mm-hmm. encoded, obfuscated, tons of stuff. So, And it was also detecting VMs. Imagine one sample mm-hmm. is able to do so many things. That's and, pretty and, impressive. And, that's, yeah. that's, you're that's right. Somebody, somebody who's really, I mean, somebody who's went to the, I mean, it even sounds not just like one person, but an entire, when you, when you get into different code bases, what I tend to find is you're either dealing with somebody who's a super architect who, who's, you know, who's been doing development for years, or you're working with a team. Um, exactly. So, you know, typically, these days, you probably, if you're finding a lot of code bases, uh, it's likely to be a team behind it. Um, exactly. And then I had a process hollow injection technique on top of it. Now, why I'm just bringing this point is imagine this was actually registered as a service. So many layers, so many functionalities. And the fallback mechanisms for this as layering is is massive. Now that's what probably answers your question, saying how multifold and how layered mm-hmm. malwares have actually becoming, and and it it things have gone beyond control where you just run it in a sandbox and you get the IOC. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of stories where it's bypassed your sandbox also. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's that's sometimes that's, even uh, even just sleeping, they do nothing. Uh, for long periods of time, exactly. um, just to to well, wait, wait for a time stamp. I mean, one, one of my favorite ones last year that for me was interesting because mm-hmm. I've looked a lot in in, in 2021's different variants of malware. You, you, of course, you've got the typical ones that's been around for a long time, the likes of Zeus, and you've got uh, Tesla, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> you've got uh, uh, Fnet, and, and the one that for me was the Cron tab, uh, which was interesting. Oh yeah, Cron, Cron, sorry, Cron Rat, Cron Rat. Um, okay. And that was for me. It was interesting, but just because, of course, you know, the ossification side of things, where 
it actually put it into itself into a cron uh, job to run on the 31st Jobs. of February, <laughs> a date that never existed. <laughs> and because, because it never existed, it, you don't see it. It's, it's hidden because that date just doesn't exist. Wow. And, you know, and then even behind it, the, you know, that was a, a very kind of interesting way of just staying hidden and, ex- and, and you know, mm. being able to execute um, by using the simple kind of, you know, issues within operating systems or within applications. Uh, but then when you get into the, the actual script behind it, just like you said, it, it was so well written, so, you know, complex. They took a lot of time to make sure uh, what they wanted to achieve was going to be successful. Um, <coughs> sure. True. And, and as we mentioned, right, Asian Tesla that probably rings a bell in my head was was doing a lot of rounds in last year on the year before that because of the equation editor exploit. And you know, most of the most of the folks don't you know purchase genuine windows. So yes. all, most of them had a word that actually had outdated equation editor. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, there's no macro inside it. It just was a word document with just an equation in, in like a text form. It's gibberish, right? Mm-hmm. So people get perplexed when you run it dynamically. Then you see the equation to thirty-two.exe get called. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting when like Asian Tesla went rampant on mm-hmm. on, on equation editor. And since you mentioned rats, well, rats have, yeah. have have given superpowers to the turtles, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where <laughs> the rats had it, the rats have evolved. Like Remco's did a lot of rounds last year, if you observe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remco's that was like super famous last year in 2021, where where um, they used a lot of uh, Google Drive mm-hmm. uh, URLs. Uh, so you got an email, then you get a Google Drive URL in it. You click on it, you get exploited. But but the pain point of Remco's last year was uh, a normal analysis in a sandbox couldn't uncover all the IOCs, yes. which you just mentioned the level of persistence. The dormancy of the malware was so massive, you had to do memory forensics to rip a process out and look into the memory of the process to get the IOCs. They're like tons of porn, porn stuff, URLs, banking stuff. Man, I mean, we're like super, it just yeah. threw you but, off guard when you so said that, that. Yeah. What what techniques, you know, when you're talking about, you know, that, the cron rat one that went into hiding itself within the cron, cron job um, for the 31st of February. What other methods have you seen malware trying to stay hidden? Uh, either on the system itself, you know, of course, they'll always hide within common uh, operating system file names. You know, um, so, whether, you know, um, within the kernel libraries, they'll, you know, register themselves as services, they'll be hidden in the registry. What other interesting yeah. techniques have you seen, you know, malware trying to stay hidden? So, I usually, the one that I was like more fascinated about is just sitting in the registry into the DAT files with the keys where they had JavaScript callouts there. So, the PowerShell code's basically hidden in the registry as part of as a key. So, that was one of the persistent mechanisms where they had to do a concatenation of these PowerShell scripts to call out. One, that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from the hiding technique post exploitations, I would probably talk about the the mall spam ones, right? Mm-hmm. I've 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 seen only these bunch of the usual ones I've seen for, you know, the registry, the persistent methodologies, mm-hmm. hiding inside the registries, uh, you know, living living as part of a service and mm-hmm. trying to look for antivirus. I've I've seen malwares uninstalling antivirus yes. <laughs> softwares, trying trying to do those things, but but I probably want to cover about one interesting thing, uh, sure. if you would. If I may absolutely, talk about. absolutely. I think you know, 
go 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 ahead. <clears throat> it's about the template injection. Probably I want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, this is this has been you know quite on the higher rise in the last year. So you know right, uh, Word documents uh, use macros. Mm-hmm. Uh, macros are like the the box that opens and then a gesture comes and claps his hands. That's basically a macro. So each time when you open the Docker document, the the gesture comes out. So that's the way the macro works. Now, this is like a, a template of infection that usually happens always with word-based documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we strangely saw, saw last year was was well, a lot of these non-macro attacks, which is pretty shocking, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. no macro into it, but you still end up attacking it. So this actually started, I think it started with NJRAT or some of these remote access Trojans which started this trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a word itself is basically uh, a zipped format. You can yes. unzip a Word document and see the XML tree structure. Mm-hmm. Now, what I found this very interesting was, I, I think in a month when I explored the emails and took the samples out, the attachments, I was constantly able to see 100 to 200 samples a day where you would have a Word document, which is no macros. Mm-hmm. It bypasses all your tools. So it's it's clean. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. It, it looked exactly like a document from an embassy. It looked perfect. Your okay. email had the perfect headers. It didn't come from a Gmail. It didn't come from a Hotmail or like your 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 sneaky AOL or, or randomly generated emails. <laughs> Everything was picture perfect. I'm not exaggerating. And 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 when you go to the um, you know Wattersol. Mm-hmm. All 75 AV vendors said it was clean. Yeah, we're not detected. Okay. We're not detected. So, mm-hmm. But when, when I unzipped these Word documents and I saw, there's something called this web settings and under RELS folder. So that has mm-hmm. something called this external keyboard. So the external is actually pointing to a cmd.lol, which was like a super level, minus level 7, uh, free service of file sharing service. So that was like part of the campaign. So whenever you open the Word document, it's going to run uh, in the background saying it's downloading something, but it's not a macro. That was downloading payload. I saw a lot of these continuously for three months. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the trends. And I would call this as a persistence mechanism, but I would say this is the most sneakiest way to the entry mechanism, which was which acted persistence way of doing it. So this was one of the things I saw last year. I mean, so you're still seeing, yeah. you know, one of the, you know, we look in history, history you know, it's always been um, office documents uh, and PDFs were always the kind of the yep. top payload delivery mechanisms. I mean, is that still the case today? Are you seeing other new formats coming into play? Um, or is it, you know, they're still doing those traditional you know, hiding it within you know, mm-hmm. macros, within, you know, uh, doc files or spreadsheets, um, within, you know, content within PDFs that you have to enable and activate once once you execute it. Are they still going to those traditional pastors or new formats um, that they're kind so, of moving into? <clears throat> so there are a couple of new formats. See, these are still there because these are some sort of traditions that needs to be maintained and it's like the primary form of it. Mm-hmm. That's because of the, of the reach of such threat actors, right? Uh, an invoice through a document or like a, a receipt through a PDF is still the primary form of infection, mm-hmm. which is accounts to 75 to 80% of the malware because 
it can be easily sold to a receptionist or like the front desk person or to anybody in the sales team. That's the first uh, way of doing it. It still exists. And I would say PDF is more because a PDF is for a form of an office document, I would probably call it, uh, which is, which is, which has got too many superpowers, to be honest, uh, because uh, it, it can embed a Word document inside. It can drop yeah. files. That's the superpower it actually has. And above all, it has all the Infinity Stones with it, which has a JavaScript inside it. So mm-hmm. it can just snap its fingers like Thanos does. So it's got all the powers that it has. And, yeah. and yeah, that's a powerful form. And, and, and if the user is running as a privileged user, then it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's game over in <laughs> many cases. And, that's, and you have an early Christmas then, so, so <laughs> you can't do anything in that. So, but I, I just want to add a couple of things that I've seen, been seeing is a lot of ISO attachments oh, okay. uh, scanning through. So you see a lot of PDF.ISOs, ISOs, uh, making way. But the strange point is, it's always targeted towards the Spanish and the Brazilian campaigns and not in and around, uh, okay. you know, the US mm-hmm. or the UK or in India. I see a lot of foreign language, which is basically European, mm-hmm. Brazilian themed, or some of the Spain, Portugal, uh, that or the country, those are the countries are being targeted. So uh, what I've seen so far, especially with the PDF.ISO, I see a lot of them that way. Um, the second uh, weird attachment, what we want to talk about is basically the Excel sheets. Uh, you have seen a lot of Word document and PDF malwares, but Excel is doing a lot of noise in the last six months where you would have uh, heard the, the one. The one I, I remember you talking about was the hidden sheets. Exactly. That was, yeah. that was a really interesting uh, discussion you had. So if you, if you can share for the audience uh, a little bit, you know, but the kind of the methods that we're seeing in Excel, because I mean, Excel is a common format and uh, it's very powerful in regards to what its capabilities. Do you want to share with the audience a bit more about your findings in the Excel and hidden sheets? Sure. sure. So uh, it was just a normal day looking into the Excel sheet. We couldn't find much macros into it. But when I started reading a lot about Excel sheets, I found out the, the internal structures of Excel could actually hide Excel sheets. So I was like kind of so dumb that I couldn't unhide the Excel sheet. But when we did, <clears throat> but when we probably sort of did a deep dive from an internal standpoint of an Excel sheet, Excel sheet has actually got three levels. Mm-hmm. It's like hide, uh, very hidden, and you can probably unhide it. So hidden, very hidden, and un, like unhide basically. Mm-hmm. So what happens with these threat actors is, now, if I probably put a macro inside a sheet, your endpoint detection systems is going to catch it with signatures by keywords like run, Excel, PowerShell, and all of these things, right? And what these guys did was super smart. Okay? What they have done was, was brilliant. Um, they had an Excel sheet that probably ran, technically speaking, three miles in length and breadth. <laughs> it was a huge, it was like a huge Excel sheet. I, I keep scrolling and I, and I look at my clock I think I've lost three years of my life after that. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's going on and on and on. And what was the fun fact was they have a D, what they have done is they have basically put each of these keywords in separate, separate, you know, take, for example, the EXE is the EX is there and the CE is in another cell. Another cell. They are calculating yeah. formulas for that. Even URLs. So putting together URLs yes. can be based on that too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, 
the URLs is put into bits and parts uh, throughout the Excel sheet. So you have to probably go cell-wise. It starts at A and probably ends at zillion somewhere. So they concatenate this. This is like a super technique. I was like fascinated when I saw the Excel sheet. So they had the macro, sorry, they had the method to unhide the Excel sheet. It locates it. And then it starts concatenating sheet-wise and then it assembles like... Mm -hmm. And end of the day, it was just one line of code. Was it, it par- PowerShell code or some just exactly? It was just it, like, it was just the PowerShell code calling out a URL. So, yeah. so it, it, that was huge, right? So that was one of the very interesting things I mm-hmm. I saw in the Excel. I, I actually spoke about that in the conference, also, I guess. So yes, yes. And, it was and, it was one of my I, favorite topics. <laughs> so it was very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you know, the good news, or like the bad news for the folks, but the good news for like people like us, there's an add-on to this Excel, which is actually called as an XXL, XLL. Mm-hmm. So Excel Sheets uh, has an add-on capability called as XLL. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a third-party plugin that's used by Excel to download or interact with third-party applications. Now, what threat actors are doing with, especially with the ICID Trojans off late in the last seven months, I think from November or October, mm-hmm. uh, you get an email and the email says it's a DocuSign and your traditional DocuSign. And what actually happens is they are heavily abusing feed proxy, Google's feed mm-hmm. proxy URLs. So they have a feed proxy URL, which you click on that, downloads an Excel sheet, which says Performa invoice for the year or whatever it is, just depends Mm -hmm. on the region. And then it actually drops an Excel sheet. The Excel sheet actually looks for an XLL plugin, Mm -hmm. which is basically an add-on. It gets enabled. That downloads the ICID installer. So this is, it's like, it's like a pretty cool thing when I actually saw. And you know what's the shocking part, Joseph, here? The XLL add-ons are both digitally signed and unsigned right. also. <laughs> so that was like, oh, cool. Just digitally signed is pretty crazy, right? So yeah, that was, that was a crazy part. Yeah, once, once you get signed. digitally signed, that's always the concern. Because for me, that, that, there's always an indication that, you know, that, that's a reminder on the supply chain <laughs> issues that we have. Is that you know we there's things that we automatically trust and there's things that we you know don't trust and in a lot of when you get into software updates when you get into installations <laughs> and add-ons and plugins and whatever it is we have the sense that in a Windows specific environment you tend to automatically trust those um, sure. and allow them to do whatever they want uh, on the system and unfortunately you know we have to get into where we can't you know we can't assume just because it's Disney signed mm-hmm. meaning that it's authentic. Um, and that there's not something hidden within it. And we're seeing that, you know, in the supply chain, we've seen a lot of malware. When you can go back to solar winds. Um, it was part mm-hmm. of that whole, whole scenario, especially when we're moving to where software repositories are basically, you know, cloud-based storages where um, if they're not protecting it, you know, attackers can simply, you know, drop something in, hide it um, into, into those repositories. And then it's the software supply chain updates, which deploys it for them. Um, you know, they, even they're, they're getting to this is that they're getting, you know, very intelligent, very smart into how can I make the victims do as much work for them as possible so they can focus True. on being successful and, and, and being, you know, in, into the malware development itself, how they can actually do successful and, and do it much more efficient. And they can pass a lot of that. And that's why we continue. Of course, that's why we see phishing and social engineering continue to be one of the main delivery mechanisms. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the more we get humans to do what we want them to do and manipulate them and abuse their trust, uh, the more successful criminals will, will, will be in this industry. <clears throat> True. And, 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 and the second thing I just read it somewhere, it's pretty bizarre. I want to share it here. Um, the FBI actually reported a lot of cases where a lot of random USB drives were shipped to supply chain industries. <laughs> supply chain sectors in the last three months, hoping that they would put it plug in. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was like a holiday theme attack that I was actually reading about it, where somebody was saying that it was saying a gift for your Christmas and then they had the duck USB drives, right? The duck yeah. that you put oh, in the, the bathtub. Rubber, duck, with rubber those, duckies. Yeah. Ru- rubber <laughs> duckies. Uh, those were there. I just... Shockingly bizarre, right? When you have a good infrastructure to carry out social engineering, you still have the traditional way of infecting people. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, there were there were instances where in the atomic research stations, uh, in the compounds, there were a lot of USB drives thrown inside, mm-hmm. especially in the nuclear power stations, also. So oh, yeah. that's pretty yep. Yeah, some of those delivery mechanisms for me um, over the. I mean, I've seen so many of these over the years. Uh, you know, even even getting into the bad USB, the cables. You can even put it within a, a charging cable. Um, you can embed mm. it with malware. Um, so even when somebody somebody you know just plugs in a cable to their device, it will pop up as a as basically a, as a uh, an interface, whether it being a keyboard or mouse or whatever it is, and then carry out automated actions in the background. And I've seen it even to the point where. You know, to your, you know, about sending gifts, even it could be something simple like a charger or it could be even an e-cigarette or something that just has USB as the power source. Because many things today are charged through USB. They will come as USB charging sure. devices. And I've seen the point, you know, even e-cigarettes embedded with malware, the moment they're waiting for that to be, rather than plugged into a wall socket, but plugged into a laptop and then deploying the malware within. Um, so some of those intelligent, you know, they're going to continue using um, USB, you know, as a payload mechanism and sending it out as gifts. Um, I've even seen where, you know, even at, at major events were USB devices that were being given out, you know, as basically gifts, uh, you know, to mm-hmm. uh, to people attending. And they were embedded with malware, um, just waiting yeah. for those people to go and plug it in. And that's what's really important. You know, I sit here, I have a whole, whole stack of uh, data ports. <laughs> so I'm always sitting next to me that uh, when I travel anywhere, I'm always giving to, to people. So even, you know, a bunch of the data ports, you plug it in and it ah. makes sure that it's, it, it stops the data going through. So um, those are things that, you know, it's just good practice. Even I've seen, you know, in industries in the shipping industry where we had a lot of, we, one interesting case for me was in the shipping industry where there was a, a uh, captain of a ship. He was on the mm-hmm. bridge. And one of the scenarios was that uh, they were getting to near shore. And uh, that meant that rather than having to use the bridge communications, you know, to make calls, um, they were getting to near shore, meaning that they were able to pick up, uh, you know, 4G connections from the telcos. Uh, but unfortunately, he wanted to tell his, his wife that he was going to be home soon. You know, they're pulling in the port. I'll be home soon. And uh, he had a, a mobile phone on the bridge. And unfortunately, uh, the battery was going flat. And rather than running back oh. to his cabin to plug it into the wall socket and you know get power, he basically looked around and said, well, I will plug it into, the, there's a USB port here on the bridge. I'll just plug it directly in. I will charge my phone a little bit so I can make that telephone call. And unfortunately, there was a piece of malware sitting on his phone for one year, waiting for that one moment for the plug-in in 
completely wiped the navigational systems. So the Actis navigational systems on, on the bridge uh, and affected the systems of malware. We're just waiting for that one moment to happen, waiting for the plug it into a system, you know, with a USB port. And uh, ultimately, kind of going back, you know, one of the things was that all those devices, they were using USBs to be updating those systems, to do the firmware updates, to, to do new installations and so forth. Um, one of the solutions, what they ended up doing was they went and they had to actually hard cut all the USB ports in those devices just to make sure that those types of scenarios would not happen again uh, in the future or, you know, would be more difficult. Um, so it's always the case is that, you know, Sometimes there's, there's probably a lot of devices out there today that are still written and, and have malware hidden within, waiting for those moments, uh, waiting for people to plug it into the wrong device or, or, or the right device for the malware. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things, as you mentioned earlier, um, that they have all these detection capabilities to understand about what system I'm running on. In many cases, it used to be mm. on my 32-bit on my or 64-bit machine, <laughs> so I can, run, <laughs> or I can run the right malware on the right platform. Uh, but today, it's more about, am I on the right victim uh, to, to execute as well? True. And like 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 how advanced these things have become, it's like they scout the entire system, like the petrol, the, the computer, the infected system. And they can probably stay, that's the APT part, right? They can mm-hmm. stay in for a very long time, especially in government sectors, uh, embassies, diplomat passports. Uh, mm-hmm. We remember reading something like where this actually happened in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan was mm. targeted specifically with these remote access Trojans, which only targeted diplomat passports. So the, the, those data was basically uploaded in the internet. That's one side of it. And the second thing that what you mentioned, right? Now, now how, how the, the, up, the, the rise of these ransomwares today mm. is, is, is a seriously a big alarm because uh, you know, and I know that the world knows ransomware is just after your data and mm. they, you have to transact in bitcoins for it. And what's the alarming factor that I've seen personally with a couple of people who got infected, so I had some conversations with them, mm-hmm. is it's after the backups. So it's not yeah. after your data, data anymore, it's after your backups, to be honest. Yep. So that's, that's the goal. See how they've evolved, right? They've evolved from like massively to be honest mm-hmm. so so the, so so the lateral movement is super dangerous and the way that they are after your backups if somebody settles for a simple and if you you would be knowing it better than anybody else most of the backups are in the same environment it's as the same the environment data. with the same credentials <laughs> so <laughs> unfortunately um and their online backups thing and that's one of the things i always struggle with is you know you need to have a good strategy when you when you're looking at this. Is you need to have defense in depth. You know, we talk about defense in depth as a, a repeat and repeating it, uh, but you also have to have segmentation. Um, you know, when I was looking at you know a lot of the backup mm-hmm. strategies for organizations, is that they're really backing up against disaster recovery, hardware failure, you know, data corruption, um, but that doesn't a lot of cases it doesn't actually factor in ransomware as as a as a threat uh, for those backup mm-hmm. strategies because. If you're using an online backup that's protecting against fault tolerance or, or, or it's a hardware failure, that when that ransomware runs, it's going to encrypt mm-hmm. both your production and your backup system, um, which means that you have nothing to recover with if that backup is online with the same credentials. And that, for me, always frustrates when I see those types of backup strategies because it is not factoring in malware. It's not factoring in ransomware or, you know, or data exfiltration. It's only focused on that disaster recovery <laughs> piece. 
Um, and that exactly. really means that you know, organizations really need to think about offline backups or segregated backups or differential backups, um, and also making sure you have different privileges and credentials for production versus you know, a UIT or a backup environment. Um, so segmentation is so critical in those environments. A um, couple of questions and, for and, you. Is it, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to make one point because folks just just make, you know, they're more focused on the disaster management, uh, you know, recovery part. And they they forget these hot sites and the cold sites part. And, and their only motive is to probably get the service up and running, like the runtime calculation per minute, per downtime price that cost to the customer. They they end up having the data very close to them and they want to have a recovery yes. of that pretty fast. That costs them. That's where that way you you brought up point, right? The, the backup should be in the cloud is one. The second thing that you probably need to have is more of something called as a breach mentality. Yes. So no one's doing, I don't think like, at least from, from my knowledge that I know, the breach mentality should be implemented in every organization like a fire drill. Mm-hmm. So you are doing a fire drill every month to make sure the fire is not going to happen, right? So, But you're going to say that, dude, this is the way that you probably go down and then this is how you have to do it. You rehearse every two months. Why don't companies start rehearsing a ransomware attack? You should rehearse your ransomware, right? So, Absolutely. That's one of the things that I've always you know, been saying that there's, um, I did a talk not so long ago, which was on a, a ransomware incident response. And one of the things I, I do is I make a differentiation between there's one thing of having incident response plan, and, but you also have to be incident response ready. And that means you had to repeatedly test it. And incident response in a ransomware scenario is not a security response. It's not an IT response. It's a business response. And therefore, exactly. you, it's, it means that you have to actually incorporate all different aspects of the business. So it means that you have to make sure your HR team's involved, your financial team's involved, your sales and marketing team's involved, because you want to make sure that you're actually going into business resiliency mode. And this is sometimes many organizations, we approach it wrong. We, we, we think that these types of responses and business recovery scenarios and backup strategy plans are as an IT or security team's responsibility. It might be their responsibility to implement and you know plan, but it's the business's responsibility to make sure they have a recovery scenario and work with the IT and teams and security teams to make sure they had the right strategy in place that is effective for the business. So you're absolutely right when you talk about you know mm-hmm. fast recovery. Fast recovery doesn't always necessarily mean the best <laughs> the best recovery because um, I've seen even sure. recovery strategies that were actually redeployed the malware back into the environment because the malware was actually in the backup. And exactly. re- recovering fast meant that, yes, we recovered, but, but we're just redeploying the malware back into the environment. Um, so it's an interesting kind of, you know, that it really needs to be well thought through and, and well planned. That that's also depends on how detailed the runbook is probably, you know, return and like the playbooks, the runbooks, how effective or how detailed you are. And you rightly mentioned when for ransomware, the stakeholders is uh, precisely the entire organization. It's just not... You know, a normal recovery activity or like a resilient activity that you do, uh, a lot of things depend on a ransomware attack. And, and I feel personally this has to happen, like trend. Yep. So one other thing I'd like to ask, you know, for the audience who's, you know, we're talking about a lot about ransomware <coughs> and malware threats and some of the, the sophistication that's going into them today and all of these new models of, you know, deliveries and, and deployment side of things for payloads. What can I, you know, 
tips do you recommend that they do to reduce the risk from those? What can they do to make it more difficult <laughs> for the attackers to be successful, especially when it comes to malware? So, like, uh, the, I would probably put a stronghold, uh, you know, uh, uh, scanning and, and the entry mechanisms of email because there should be more, uh, you know, parameters that needs to be looked into. Uh, today, we can easily bypass the emails. If you see the email header, you have tons of stuff that you can easily bypass. Mm -hmm. So there should be a lot of stringent policies, calls. Uh, for example, you cannot have an ex-mailer, which is anonymous, that hits your, your mailbox, right? That's mm -hmm. the first way, that's the first point of um, all spam entering. So that needs to stop. So you need to have a protection where 60% of your problem is solved when you scan your emails properly. So that's mm -hmm. one thing. And the second thing is like, I it would probably sound stupid, but I probably would still put this point. Most of these uh, malware attacks, uh, you know, occur because of clicking on a link or opening <laughs> a Word document. So the, the user education is probably the only, you know, investment that you have to make as a company. Mm -hmm. Zero trust is not your policy. It's your employee who should, it's, you know, do yeah. that. Yeah, I had I right? had my, myself and uh, my 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 uh, was a duplicate my clone uh, Dave Lewis. We had on <laughs> a, few, a few episodes ago when we were talking about zero trust. And one yeah. thing is, we, we we had a long discussion. And for the audience, definitely go back and listen to the episode on on the zero trust talk uh, with Dave Lewis. It was a fun fun discussion. And one of the things we got into is that you know zero trust it's not it's not a software you implement, it's a practice. It's about how exactly. you how you practice security in your organization um, and how people do things. It's a mindset in how you operate your business, which is one of the best terms I heard. So you're absolutely right. You know that it gets into is that you you know it's it's about making sure that people understand about should I do this or should not not do it, and if I do it, what's the potential consequences, and uh, does do I have you know. You know, am I running as a local administrator in the system? And if I click on something, it's going to have those privileges as well. Or should I actually potentially run this as a lower privileged user um, that will prevent it from being able to, you know, such as if you're opening up a PDF file, do you want to run it as a domain admin or just as a standard user? Because the impact of that will be huge if it is malicious. True, true, yeah. So like the, the rate at which, no, we have advanced AI ML detections. You have mm -hmm. all the data. And if you see most of these small spam emails, it's just the recurrent keywords if you see. Mm -hmm. Urgent, invoice, uh, congratulations. If you see, it's only two emotions. It's either fear <laughs> or it's just happiness. So yeah, yeah. you, time, you time, have to control the emotion. Time as well. Time. So I, 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 one of my favorite uh, uh, phishing <laughs> scams of all time, it was a couple of, quite a few years ago now, which was speeding tickets. Because your point, you want to, you want to, you want to, <laughs> Uh, play on on people's emotions. That's what it, it's doing. It, it's, and it's also when you do, when do you send those phishing emails is also important. So the speeding tickets that was uh, part of this phishing scam was sent at five thirty p.m. Friday evening. You know, especially when people's left the office, um, they get these emails and they're like, oh, all of a sudden it, it plays on fear of doing something illegal, fear of being exactly. fined financially, <laughs> fear if they don't respond in time. Uh, that you know it could actually double or get more more costly. So a lot of those scams, you're absolutely right. Urgent, you know, this needs to be done immediately asap. Um, you know, it, it plays on people's fears, or it's the reverse. It's that you know you've you've won something. Congratulations! In order to get this reward, you need to go here and True. complete it. Um, so definitely, when when you see things is playing on your emotions, 
um, you should always second question it, um, whether it's, it's and, real or yeah, not. Yeah, true. And, and, and then if you would probably want to add one point, right, was most of these mall spams that have been targeted is towards the shipping and the supply chain industry, if you observe. Yeah. It's, it's most of them. This says shipping, code, invoice, listing, product listing. Yeah. And it's very easy to make them click on something. And if you observe the medium scale business is always targeted the more mm-hmm. rather than the big, big, big fives or the big fishes. So, yeah. yeah, that would say that you have to have a stringent rules on the incoming emails. That's your starting problem. And second is more of uh, where, where companies would probably start to focus on uh, the actual zero trust, right? No process should be trusted. And I think Windows 10 has probably come up with a lot of these, you know, if you, you, you have to get to a point where probably when you see a process that's misbehaving, you have mm-hmm. to probably quarantine the process, put it inside like a sandbox itself and execute it. Yeah, yeah. tons of stuff. I mean, we can go on and on on that. So Absolutely. yeah. Prevent it from you know, launching any child processes as well, you know, some of these things because that's a common way of persistence of moving around. And you're absolutely right. Supply yep. chain. I've seen I've, in a lot. I mean, I, I have my uh, sandboxes running. I got my honeypots running, and I see a lot. And you know, your package is waiting at customs. You just need to go here and release it from customs. Sure. I've seen a lot around uh, things like even uh, COVID uh, tests. That you know, you've got a couple of tests waiting to be seen. You know, go and see whether you. Have, yeah. And it's just playing on people's emotions, playing on and and really the environment around. Uh, because of course, you know, as the pandemic's forced everyone to work you know, from home or remotely. From home. Supply chain and order delivery. You can't go to the shops as often, so you're getting delivered to your home. So uh, attackers will, will take advantage of all of those scenarios. Any any predictions? Anything that you think that we're seeing the path and direction? Where, where, where could malware go this year? What changes might, might, might we see? I think malware would go a lot towards the operating systems and phones. Uh, hmm. It would target a lot of Android-based devices as my gut feeling this year uh, because the pandemic is probably getting extended. A lot of these apps and work from homes is probably mm-hmm. happening from, you know, the, the phone could be targeted the most is what I would feel. Mm-hmm. And second thing, I would be probably very worried about these non-conventional methods are probably going to increase without the less macros, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no, not much of macros and and. Uh, the additional, you know, uh, places or like the non-observed uh, parts of a Word document or places is where the threats are probably going to stay and be persistent. You would still see the same old emoted trick working. That's going to be one side of the coin. But you'll see a lot of these mutations, you know, of, of the same. You, know, you are probably going to see a Word document dropping a macro, but mm-hmm. there's something going to be an extra layer inside it. Mm-hmm. It could be an obfuscation layer, multiple encryptions. And I also personally feel that there would be a heavy RC4 kind of encryption inside mm-hmm. the code to do a C4 communication, uh, which could be pretty hard to spot. So it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a mashup is what I would feel with the, like the, the ransomware features, the trick bot features, with this, this lucky bot features, mm-hmm. all of that are probably going to get mashed up is what I feel. 2022 and 23 probably going to be a big mashup with these things is what I personally feel because I'm starting to see the stents already. So Yeah, I think the, the cyber criminals and, and malware creators are sharing a lot of code, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, and, and uh, exactly. techniques and methods. So 
um, they're exchanging different uh, features uh, with each other and, and making these super malwares uh, where it comes with a lot of uh, nasty capabilities. And absolutely, I think for me, I think, I think the phone's going to be more of a, uh, for me, I think definitely the, the, the phones are going to be targeted, but I, I strongly believe that's going to be more of a, not the, tar- the, the, it'll be the secondary victim as a means of um, redeploying. Uh, so that it may not be this, you know, the initial target. I think it'll be worse, basically a bit dormant on those phones, just like I mentioned earlier with the, the, the captain of the ship. It'll be dormant on the phone until they connect it to their work laptop and then, or they bring it back into exactly. the office. When people slowly move back into to working in an office, they'll go back in, plug it in, and the phone, you know, it'll be sitting there waiting for it to be deployed elsewhere in the network. And you're absolutely right, ossification, you know, staying hidden, I think, uh, one of the things I've seen is, you know, attackers are more living off the land. They want to stay with hidden traditional communication methods. So you might be looking at something that might be look like somebody streaming music. Um, but in fact, actually, that, you know, hidden audio is actually extracting data. Um, yeah, well, so. I wanted to come to that point, actually, <laughs> for the stegnographic part. Stegnography is going to be on the rise because we see a lot of these JPEG uh, C2 of picks being sent out last year. So they had uh, the passwords, phone numbers mm-hmm. sent out as fun of C2 uh, as pictures. And you rightly mentioned like the audio is playing or the movie could be playing, but still it could yeah. probably be shipping out all your data. Absolutely. So. Yeah, because we see a lot of, you know, if you're looking at network, you see a lot of audio streaming, movie streaming, people's watching things, you know, whether it being Netflix or Prime or something, you know, and they're using their devices to do that, you know, simply through a web browser. But, you know, hiding within that traffic makes it very difficult for us to, to detect. And that becomes, a, that becomes a massive challenge when you see those types of obfuscation. Especially when you download these Netflix shows for free. That's when it's probably going to, you know, up the game. Especially, I, I haven't seen the subtitle files misbehaving in a while. The SRD files. I I, I assume that's probably going to misbehave the next two years. So. Yeah, I've seen I've seen uh, playlists uh, been uh, actually abused as well. We've seen you know we've seen the subtitles, the caption files, and stuff like transcripts, um, the metadata, uh, even the, the files within yeah. the metadata itself and contain uh, this description, you know, containing code. Just like you know, it's 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 taken the next level where you talked about earlier in the XML. Um, you know, or not the XML, the spreadsheet containing it, you know, different parts hidden yeah. within the spreadsheet. So um, I think definitely, you know, we're seeing a lot more of that within other types of file formats. So but it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Any any final messages for the audience? Um, where can they find you? you know, how can they sign up? How can they follow you? What what things would you like to uh, final words for the audience? <laughs> you just have to flash the bat signal to find <laughs> me. That's what... Uh, you can find me in LinkedIn. I'm there on LinkedIn and my Twitter tag is actually HackerBat. You can find me there. So you can sign up for conferences. I would love to do workshops, talks. I'm your man. So anything related to malware, forensics, cybersecurity, call me. I'm very passionate to do a talk for you or have a chat with you. So you can find me. Final thoughts, be safe, guys. It's be the pandemic. Stay safe. Don't go out until it's necessary. And wear a mask always. Also, think before clicking on any link that you get in the email. So you sanitize your hands and your emails or your clicks too. So either way, stay safe. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. Um, important words and uh, absolutely for the audience, stay safe. You know, until, until, until we're ready to socialize again, uh, let's make sure we, we you know, keep the world a safer place, both in person and online. 
uh, Shyam, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, really look forward. We'll make sure that anything's like the links to the books and your uh, links to yourself, we'll make sure they're available in the show notes. For the audience, right. it's been a pleasure as always. You know, this show keeps getting better and better. And we're really excited, you know, we, you know, with the statistics right now, with thousands and thousands of listeners on this episode. Um, so for the audience, you know, this is, we're only successful with you. And the more you listen, the more you share it with your colleagues and friends and others. Um, that's what makes this successful. We're here to make sure that you stay educated. Um, you know, thought leadership, bring, you know, amazing uh, guests on the show to make sure that we keep you in the know. Um, so again, many thanks for the audience for listening. And we look forward to sharing more exciting episodes in the future. So stay tuned every two weeks and go back and listen to previous episodes. As I mentioned, we had the Zero Trust one not so long ago. Go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. Um, you know, Hacking Gamification is also a great show. So go back um, and listen to previous episodes. You'll definitely get a lot of value. So thank you. Stay safe. Take care. And talk to you soon. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrary for Business by going to www.cybrary.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Thycotic, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit www.thycotic.com.